You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. This is brought to you by Penji. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today we have Lloyd Freeman on the show. Lloyd is a partner and chief diversity officer at the firm Archer Law. Lloyd concentrates his practice in the area of commercial and complex civil litigation in state and federal courts in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania. He has represented clients in trials, arbitration, and mediation in both states. And if you don't know anything about law, uh, Good luck. Uh, um, this stuff can be confusing, but in layman's terms, he's uh, works primarily with businesses. As chief diversity officer, Lloyd carries out the firm's vision to grow diversity and inclusion in the legal profession, as well as implements policies and procedures and fosters programs to promote diversity throughout the firm. He does this by promoting diversity and inclusion in the recruitment, hiring, retention, and promotion of Archer attorneys, which includes maintaining an ex officio position on the personnel and hiring committees while serving as chairman of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. I've known Lloyd since day one, basically. He was that that one person that always believed in me and and always gave me a chance, even when I didn't necessarily deserve it. He got me into places I sure as hell didn't deserve to be in, and he made introductions to people that I didn't necessarily know or had no reason to know these people. He is a great friend and somebody that I'm happy to call friend, and I've wanted to record this episode for a while now, and it's for many reasons. For starters, Lloyd is a world-class gentleman and renaissance man. He's good-looking, smart, family-focused, philanthropic, and the list goes on and on. I wanted to, to get to the root as to how Lloyd became the man he is today, and we found out just that throughout this episode. His story about where he came from shaped that. The Midwestern boy came from a humble beginnings, and this taught him a life lessons to do good and to help others. As you know about my personal story and my personal background and strong beliefs about having a more diverse world, Lloyd's story about the great lens he takes to make sure everyone feels welcome is inspiring. And I'm so grateful to call him a friend and cannot wait to hear about all of the lives that he has saved because of his wisdom. Let's get to it. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co. P-E-N-J-I dot C-O and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. You're a guy that I've known for quite some time. And when I first quit my job, I could say that you were one of the first people to kind of take me in and be oh so kind and generous to me. And it is an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So before we get into the episode, we have to lay the foundation as to why you're a qualified expert. And the topic that we're talking about today is something that I just more so have to brag about yourself, not so you about bragging me, but it's how to become a renaissance man. So, so how does... How do I define a Renaissance man? So, and these are all qualifications that I believe that you have. You're good looking. You have a stable job. You have, you're, that is fast growing. You're winning all these awards. You have a kick-ass personal brand. You're doing all these amazing things to nonprofits. You're helping the community. You're networking like a fiend. And not to mention, you have this absolutely beautiful family. So my Thank first you. question to you is how do you do it all? Uh, a lot of Starbucks coffee. <laughs> no, um, first of all, thank you so much. I appreciate the compliments. Um, how do I do it all? Um, I only take on things that I'm super passionate about. And so everything that you just mentioned there, um, you know, thankfully it ended up being of some kind of a benefit at the end of the day. But, you know, I'm involved with the nonprofits I'm involved with because I'm passionate about them. Of course, I'm super passionate about my family. I love being an attorney. Um, even within the practice of law, I'm super passionate about diversifying the profession. So every single um, thing that I've taken on, uh, it, it, maybe it's built this brand, but it all stemmed from an initial passion that I have. And when someone is passionate about a particular endeavor, it shows and eventually people recognize you for it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I do have to give a full disclaimer before we move on that we have worked with you and your firm in the past. But the reason why I bring that up is because not necessarily to boast, but more so to tell everybody the mo one of the most important things that you could do for yourself is to find a really good lawyer and to find yes. a really good team of lawyers. And we aren't necessarily here to talk about law, but could you just talk quickly about the importance of finding the right lawyer for your business? Yeah. You know what? And, and particularly, you know, for you, and I'm sure that you, all of your listeners know um, more about your business and what you do, but as a small business, as a startup, um, you know, entrepreneurs, you're, you're an entrepreneur because you have um, a, a, a huge vision and you really see the big picture, but there are a bunch of minute things that you really need somebody else to worry about. And so that's every professional. You need an accountant, you need a lawyer, um, you need somebody who's going to uh, be able to do the, the taxes for you or someone to worry about your real estate. Um, you can't do it all. I understand that uh, entrepreneurs are also uh, renaissance men and women in their own uh, right, but you need somebody else there as a professional to help you out. And oftentimes people come to lawyers when something has already gone bad, but really the value in an attorney is to make sure that we give you the advice and we counsel you before things go awry. And mm -hmm. so that is why it is super important for you when you've got that vision, when you know where you want to go, communicate that with all of the professionals, assemble your team, your dream team, and it should include, it must include an attorney. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so now let's uh, sway the conversation to a little bit, um, I guess, not that attorney talk isn't fun, but personal branding <laughs> talk is always going to be a little bit more fun. I want to hear a little bit more about the, I guess, the story behind how you became 
the person that you are today. And that doesn't necessarily start, like you don't just start being a lawyer and then doing all these great things. It had to have come from somewhere. So could you just speak to, I guess, that moment where you're like, you know what, like I have an awesome life. I need to be able to give back as much as I do. Sure. Um, There are a couple of different things that happened in my life that kind of shaped me uh, to be who I am today. So on the philanthropy side and all my work with nonprofits. Um, When I was 10 years old, um, my family lived in an apartment. I'm from Kansas City originally. Um, So back in the Midwest, uh, I was just finishing up the fifth grade. I'm going to junior high school. And during that summer, um, our next door neighbor goes out on their balcony with a gas grill, not knowing what they're doing, and starts this terrible fire that completely burns down the whole apartment building. And that left me, my mom, my little brother homeless. Uh, We did not have a place to live. Uh, We sat there and watched our entire lives burn, go up in flames. And if it was not for generous donations uh, from people we didn't even know, who just happened to see the news story, um, people who, you know, happened to live in the area and knew about it, uh, people at the American Red Cross, um, who pitched in and helped us, gave money, gave us clothes, um, and helped us, gave us toys. We were still kids. I, we wouldn't have been able to pick up the pieces from that tragedy. Um, and so that, for me, it took me a while to realize it, but that was really the moment when I um, became extremely philanthropic uh, and knew that I wanted to give back in some kind of capacity um, to help other people who are just not as fortunate and because I was that person uh, at one point in time. Um, so fast forwarding, um, then I am so fortunate to go to Howard University for uh, college down in DC. And Howard is a, a historically black college. And it was there that I was able to be surrounded by this, it's this wonderful microcosm of so many positive black people. And yes, I was from Kansas City, and yes, there's some diversity, but there wasn't this kind of diversity. You know, everyone's got people in your family who look like you and, and sound like mm-hmm. you, et cetera. But this was a moment where everybody around me was a future doctor, a future lawyer, accountant, engineer, et cetera, et cetera. And they all looked like me. And I had never mm-hmm. experienced anything like that in my entire life. And so that really gave me the network. Um, and so as you continue in my story, you see that I pull from my network uh, at all times. And I'm so blessed to be able to have this really rich network of individuals who came from Howard University. And Howard in and of itself taught me what it is like to be um, a catalyst for change. Uh, mm. I don't know how familiar you are with Howard, but Howard has produced some of the most prominent and notable African-Americans in history. I mean, if it were not for Howard University uh, and one of our notable alumni, Thurgood Marshall, we wouldn't have integrated the schools. Um, We wouldn't have been able to affect that kind of legal change. And we've had uh, uh, Black Rhodes Scholars and amazing professors and and scientists and, uh, you know, the list goes on. That's a totally different podcast for a different day. Um, (laughs) But it was at Howard um, where I really learned how to become a leader. And that's where I first got a chance to... um, to, to lead uh, organizations of like-minded people. Um, and so through my uh, um, uh, fraternity affiliations, I was able to, to lead programs on campus. And, you know, for me, Howard was kind of like, uh, you know, what is the saying? And if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. 
Well, certainly if you are a country kid from Kansas and you can make it amongst all of these uh, <laughs> very smart black people at Howard, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was at Howard that I met this, um, uh, my professor of my business law course at the time during my senior year, who happened to be a Harvard law educated man, looks just like me and down to the T, a black guy, bald head. And um, <laughs> uh, I was considering taking a job in finance um, until I realized that I actually don't know how to count. Uh, <laughs> that is not uh. a strong suit. <laughs> and I was turning down the job and uh, that professor at the time said, why don't you think about law school? Mm-hmm. I said, what? I don't know any lawyers. I don't know the process. I don't know what you're talking. Know, I don't know how to do that. And he says, uh, excuse me, I'm not just a professor of law, but I'm also an actual lawyer. Did not know that, had never bothered to look into his background. Um, but he's the one who initially inspired me to go to law school and um, kind of walked me through the entire process and got me to the finish line. And I knew that when I got to law school, I was going to be plucked out of this small, I guess, kind of panacea, if you will, you know, like I said, for a young um, a black kid from the Midwest. And now I'm in this, this bubble of Howard University with all these um, amazing other uh, black kids, I was going to be plucked out and put into an environment where I was absolutely going to be the minority. And uh, the practice of law is one that is over 80% white. And that didn't intimidate me at all. I just wanted to be very aware of that. And I didn't want to just stand out uh, for the obvious reasons because I looked different. Um, I wanted to make sure that I stood out getting into building my brand. I wanted to make sure that I stood out um, because I was qualified. And so I knew from essentially the first day of law school that I had to do something that was going to set me apart. Um, I wanted people to look at me and I wanted them to recognize me not because I looked differently, but because I was amazing and because I had a bunch of different elements to me that made me this multifaceted uh, individual like you said before talking law i think it's interesting <laughs> but i do too believe it or not but <laughs> i don't know if the majority would agree with us <laughs> right 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 but there's so many other things that i'm passionate about and so um infusing those elements of um of charity uh giving back infusing all of the uh the leadership qualities that i was able to um, to, to hone at when i was at howard university i wanted to put them all together and I, I wish I could take credit for saying, you know, I sat down with like, you know, uh, a Scrabble board and kind of put all this stuff together and created this wonderful um, uh, personal brand. That's what it is today. Like I said before, it was kind of just, I want to do this and I want to be great at it and I want to do that and I want to be great at it. And the amalgam that I ended up putting together created this, this personal brand that has truly worked for me. Um, and I think that people can tell the way that you get buy-in from other people because who cares if you have a personal brand if no one buys into it yeah and i think that the way that people buy into your personal brand people buy into whatever service you're trying to sell or whatever thing you're trying to push is when you're genuine when they know that you are um absolutely you believe in whatever it is that you're doing you're not doing it for an accolade you know you're not doing it for a couple of likes and retweets you're doing it because you just genuinely care about it. And there are people, so I'm very active with Big Brothers Big Sisters. I'm actually the chairman of the board for Big Brothers Big Sisters in um, the Philadelphia area, Independence region. And we provide mentors to about 3,500 kids in Southern New Jersey and Philadelphia area. There are people who have 
never signed up to become a mentor before. They've never even considered being a mentor. Um, but they'll see me post about my mentoring efforts or me post statistics about kids who are in dire need of someone to inspire them, someone to help, uh, to help them as they go through certain adversity that they're facing in their lives. And they'll let me know that you've inspired me, you by just doing what you love and what you do. You've inspired me to want to be a better person. And they'll sign up or they'll donate or they'll spread the word for me. And that's how you know it's working. When people just see that you are genuinely doing things that you love and it inspires them. Some of my mentees have told me, oh my God, I never considered being, wanting to become an attorney until I met you. And they just mm. saw me doing my thing. You know, they don't, they've never read a legal brief before in their life. They've never done any research, but they've just seen me do it. And they see how passionate I am uh, about it. They see how passionate I am about diversifying the profession and they want to get into it. And so, I, you know, I don't want to go too off, off topic from the, from the question, but it, the, building this personal brand, you got to be genuine. And I think that's really all I have done that has helped me to, to create my brand. Now, yeah. for people who are meeting me for the first time, I have always been one that has, <laughs> that has wanted to make a very lasting first impression. Um, <laughs> and so I, I know that there is a stigma associated with, you know, meeting an attorney and that attorneys, uh, <laughs> and that attorneys normally have a bad rep. Um, but I totally wanted to debunk that. I knew I wasn't going to look like the typical attorney. So why do I have to act like one? And mm. I didn't want to dress like one. And so you're not going to just catch me like in the boring Navy suit all the time. You know, I'm a fan of a pattern. I, I love pattern mixing. And if you uh, Google Lloyd or if you go on his Instagram, you will see the man swag. So <laughs> please continue. <laughs> Dressing like a lawyer has a negative connotation associated with it. But I, I know that when I go to a networking event, I want one of the first ways to break the ice to, you know, to talk about someone, talk about my shoes. Let's talk about, you know, the tie this person has on, or let's talk about this, uh, this lady's handbag or something. Let's just go all the way off topic and just be genuine and talk about something else. Let's not come here trying to like sell something on someone. Let's just genuinely create a relationship and yeah. people see me as a genuine person. I hope they do. I think they do. And that just, it works. It works. And when you do that, opportunities will come. I did not petition for uh, a spot on the board of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And, and I have not, you know, I don't do billboards to, to get clients, <laughs> you know, but, but people, when they genuinely like you, they want to work with you. They want to work with you. Um, and that is, that's worked for me. You, you talked about mentorship and how you had a mentor and you're giving all these mentorship opportunities to these young men. Uh, what does it look like? What does mentorship look like to you and how important is mentorship and what can you recommend to people if they don't if they don't have a mentor sure so i think the first part of that was um what does mentoring look like to me if i had to define it um i would say that mentoring is essentially filling a gap for someone else and i say that because people often think that um you are getting a mentor because something has gone wrong. You know, you, there's a, almost a negative connotation associated with, I don't, need, I don't need a mentor, like I'm doing all right. No, 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 we're just trying to help you fill in that gap. There's somebody out there who's already gone through it. This is what, in whatever capacity, professional, personal life, uh, uh, volunteer service, you, you name it. You can get a mentor, you need a mentor. I think everyone who is able to should mentor. There's someone out there who can benefit from some of your wisdom. 
Um, and I think it's incumbent upon us, especially if you um, are kind of one of the chosen ones. And I say chosen ones, meaning that you've had some modicum of success in what you're doing. It's incumbent upon you to give back. You have to. And so for me to have gone from uh, a, a kid, like I said, who didn't even know he wanted to go to law school to becoming a summer associate, which is basically an intern at the largest law firm in South Jersey, <laughs> taking that and going all the way to partner and being the first person of color to be able to do that in my law firm. How can I not then take every diverse individual who comes through the doors of my law firm and mentor them? Hmm. It's, it's my moral obligation to do so. Um, and, and so that's really what, uh, what mentoring, um, it, what it means to me. Um, I do it not because I am assigned to do it. Uh, I do it because no one should have to kind of um, go through life in the dark. No one should have to try to like walk around, you know, with their hands in front of them trying to feel what the next step is. Someone's already done it. And so if I've already done it and it was, you know, this hard for me, I want it to be uh, less hard for the next generation or less hard for the next attorney that comes through the door. Um, uh, I don't know. I think that taking it outside of your profession is often hard for some people because people are often scared of the time commitment. And people often think, oh my God, if I sign up, you know, to be little Johnny's mentor, you know, I've already got my own kid or, you know, I've already got my other obligations with the church or, you know, whatever it is. But trust me, a little bit of your time can make a great big difference in the life of another person. You just don't know. And you, because you're not going to be the beneficiary of the mentoring advice, um, you know, it may not impact you the exact same way, but you just don't know how taking a cup, you know, don't have lunch alone. Take lunch with someone new and just talk to them about what you do. Inspire them. It can make a world of difference and you don't even know it. Yeah. And, and I think what, what is really interesting and prevalent to your, your life story is the idea behind constantly giving back and not necessarily through your wallet, but it can be through time. Oh, yes. uh, and if you don't have necessarily a network, I think a good, maybe you can agree or disagree, but a good way to start is to just give away your time, put yourself out there, give back to the community, even if you aren't the most knowledgeable person about business just yet, but just the idea behind giving back, it gives you so much more abundance to receive. Would you say that's relatively accurate? I agree with you. I think, again, you know, it's a multi-faceted um, uh, approach to, to giving back. As a, as a board chair, I always tell my board members, I'm looking for the three T's from you. I want your time, I want your treasure, and I want your talent. And at any given time, depending on where you are in life, you may be able to give a bit more of your time, a bit less of your treasure, a bit more of your talents and a bit less of your time because, you know, life happens. But it, if you can give me some kind of combination of those three T's, that's how you can affect some change. Your time, your treasure and your talent. Yeah, that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. The something else that uh, we talked about and hinted at throughout this entire conversation is your new role at uh, Archer Law, which is yes. Chief Chief Diversity Officer. Yes, and it's something that is near and dear to my heart. Me being a a white guy, that uh, that I guess could be rare that how much I care about diversity and how much I want to see a more diverse world. And a lot of times, diversity just means you and I, white and black. But that's not necessarily the case. Diversity is all-encompassing, many different facets. So I'd like to hear what def what is your definition and what does diversity mean to you? 
Yeah, I wanted to, I'm going to definitely go into that, but very quickly, you mentioned kind of what we call the black-white binary, which is, you know, I, I only see black and then I see white, and, that, and that's essentially it. That is such an old model of the, the way that you can view uh, diversity. It is completely outdated. There are so many other different levels. Um, and again, depending upon which particular uh, arena you're in, diversity simply can mean, you know, let's add, let's add in women. Let's add in LGBT. Yep. Um, let's add in folks with disabilities. Let's add in, there are so many other different elements. Um, but yeah, we totally have to get away from the, the black, white binary and just thinking that everything involves a black mm -hmm. person or a white person. And you also mentioned, you know, you being passionate about diversity as a white guy. I think it's imperative that we have the buy-in of a white man for us to be able to really move the needle on diversity. I mentioned before that the profession of law is the practice of law is over 80% white. Yeah. So if we don't get some buy-in from some of my <laughs> white colleagues, we're not really going anywhere. I mean, there's so few of the people who are like me, you know, I call myself a unicorn. There's so few unicorns out there, but there's, there's a lot of white men back out there. And I have to admit to you that my mentors don't all look like me. Yeah. Um, if it were not for some white male mentors um, that I have had in my life that have not just been mentors, but been sponsors. So that is, you know, when you're not in the room, they're in the room and they are being a champion for you. They are banging on the table and saying, let's give Lloyd this opportunity. Let's give him this promotion. Um, you know, let, let's put him out there and let him be the face of this particular cause or issue. I've had some white sponsors. I've had some white mentors and they have changed my life. Hmm. So um, it, it may be a rarity that is discussed uh, that there are uh, white men who are champions of diversity, but I can tell you that diversity would not be um, uh, this, this this attainable goal if yeah. it were not for the buy-in of some some. Well, before before well. you so let me just put that out there. <laughs> no, totally, and I thank you for doing that. It, it it's it definitely brings a more realistic approach to just life in general and how we should live. Um, when before you get into the whole, what does diversity mean to you? I, just a, a a question of for people who may be struggling. Um, I don't know if struggle is the right word. I, I might, I'll try and rephrase this as I think about it, but I would like to hear, I, I had a question that basically represented the same thing. I didn't know the numbers, but 80% of your industry is white. And so you being black and you being different, than most people within your industry, do you find it more difficult to kind of make an impact or is it, or is it easier because of the diversity? I think it's difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's certainly difficult to navigate again, without that mentorship, without that sponsorship. Um, but like any task, you know, if you um, are super passionate about it, um, and if other people see that you're genuinely interested in it, you know, they'll want to help you. So, yes, it's, it's totally difficult to navigate. And, you know, for you to walk into any room and there not be anybody who looks like you, you know, immediately you are kind of taken aback and you are worried that you're not going to be able to successfully navigate. Um, but it just requires you, you know, doing some, some, uh, some planning. It requires you, you know, finding, assembling this, what I call the personal board of directors. You got to get the right dream team of folks around the same kind of team that you need around you as an entrepreneur. Every professional needs that team of people, but not necessarily because they're behind their services, but this is like your assemblage of, of 
of mentors. Um, and I'm mm -hmm. talking about peer mentors. I'm talking about, uh, you know, adding my wife in there. She's on my personal board of directors. I think she's probably actually the CFO of my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my personal board of directors. So you're um, saying that you have a personal board of directors, like yes. you're within your own life. Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Make, That's a really cool approach. A big decision. I am consulting my personal board of directors. And I, how many people, how curiosity, how many people are on, on this? It, it depends because it kind of fluctuates and there yeah, are on the problem. I ask certain people about, but I yeah. mean, if I had to put everyone's name on there, I mean, there's probably about 15 people wow. um, that are my go-tos. And that's so, a really like interesting I said, approach. I love that. This is a mixture of, of people in my particular field. So there, there are lawyers there. Um, there are judges who are on there. There are other um, nonprofit folks who are on there. Actually, like I said, my wife is on there. I've got some of my mentees on there because I believe in a 360 approach um, of finding out what you're doing well. And mm. if the people who I'm giving advice to are saying, let me tell you how this impacts me, or let me tell you what I think of you, you know, the people who you're helping to, to, to service, let me talk to you about what you're doing for me and, and how effective you are. My clients, I want them on the personal board of directors as well, because they're going to be the ones who can, <laughs> who are going to be able to critique me from a lens that I wouldn't ordinarily be able to look through. Um, so yeah, there, there's a number of different folks long close by all of them and i consult them very often <laughs> yeah, that's powerful that's really powerful i i mean i, I want to get back to it just because i think it's such an important question but i'd love to hear just your definition about and maybe what you, you feel as if you already answered it um so you we can move on if you want but i, I just love yeah. to get like the full definition of what what diversity means to you yeah diversity to me is you know and i think everyone would probably agree with this is really just um getting together uh different people for the same purpose. So there's one common purpose or one common problem or one common reason why we're here. Um, and we're getting a bunch of different people in the room. But for me, my approach to it has been um, really we need to move the needle toward inclusion. Uh, diversity is an old way of thinking um, because people thought that diversity was simply a nicety, right? And so it would be nice if we, you know, got a black guy in the room, It'd be nice if we had a woman on this board of directors, but that really promotes tokenism, in, in my opinion. And we don't want a token there. We really want a true mixture of cultures and people and ideas and backgrounds so that we can be able to push this agenda and really be able to deliver the most effective product that we can for whether it be clients or the constituents that you serve, et cetera. So diversity is when you count people, but inclusion is when you make people count. Mm. And so with inclusion, we're really trying to bring people to the table. We don't want you just in the room because you're the black lawyer. I want you at the table and I want you sharing your opinions. I want you to chime in. I want you to be the one that goes to argue this motion. I want you to be the one who actually goes and, and um, has contact with the client. You give the client a phone call. Um, I want you to get up and give the presentation. I want you to chair the board, giving them those opportunities. So don't just put them in the room so that we can say, oh yeah, we checked the box, we're diverse, no we have fostered an environment of inclusion. And that is what I do as Chief Diversity Officer. I am working tirelessly to make sure that our law firm is fostering um, this inclusive environment where everyone feels like they matter. That's, that's like the definition of what life should be about, all about. And it's disgusting to hear that we live in such a toxic world at some times. And I'm, 
incredibly honored to consider you a friend. And I'm so thankful for you being on the show. I, I don't want to end just there because I do want to end on a more fun approach because you and I, our relationship, although that is very business serious, we do, we do talk sometimes and have fun about ratchetry and all these other fun stuff. Of course. Because <laughs> that's needed in life, right? But, it is needed. And, and I also um, have to let you know that the pictures that I like of you when you have your big guns out on your photos, I mean, like I'm liking them, but I'm actually very jealous because uh, I have much time to work out. So you're inspiring me to get my butt to the gym. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And that actually brings a perfect segue that you, that you brought that up because you also race, uh, you're a bicycle racist enthusiast. I don't even know what the right word is. Cyclist. Yes. Cyclist. Yeah. I would love that. Like there's, there's gotta be a reason why you did this. And I'd like to hear like, what have you learned from riding hundreds and maybe thousands, but I'm going to assume at least several hundreds of miles on the bicycle. So why did I initially get involved? Uh, um, because I didn't necessarily like running. <laughs> I needed to do some cardio and I didn't really like running. But I'm, I'm more so thinking like it, there's got to be some zen to totally, it, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. If you listen back to everything that we've already talked about, you know, the work that I do at my law firm, the work that I do in the community, I do a lot with other people. Um, and my life is normally surrounded by a wonderful circle, one that I am not complaining about whatsoever, one that I've built mostly, you know, personal board of directors, et cetera. But I don't have a lot of that alone time. And that's this riding my bike. I have a road bike, so I can go out there, like you said, and ride the hundreds of miles. Gave me an opportunity to get the workout in, but also just to have that moment with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And when I first started riding, I would always, you know, instantly go and, and, you know, you put in the headphones and you got your playlist. And, but after a while, I started to pull the headphones out and just really focus on me. I mean, that's really one of the few times in life when I can just hear myself breathe, <laughs> when I can enjoy and appreciate, you know, the beauty of nature. I, I really love um, my best rides ever are in the summers. My family, we, we go and we vacation in Martha's Vineyard. And my favorite bike rides are riding around the island of Martha's Vineyard, looking at the beach, looking at the seagulls, listening to the wind, listening to the waves, you know, admiring the people. Um, uh, the, the flowers that are growing. I mean, you just get a chance to just free your mind when I'm out there. I, am not, I mean, that's the reason why I've really been able to ride so many miles because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not really thinking about anything. I'm just soaking it all in. I'm yeah, just enjoying nature and outdoors. And I've never really fancied myself an outdoor. You can probably tell from the way <laughs> that I, despite my country roots, I am not one, you know, if you had said, let's go camping or let, yeah, I'm not interested. But for me, riding that bike, enjoying the scenery, especially, you know, somewhere like, like Martha's Vineyard, like with, where the weather is beautiful and the scenery is equally as beautiful. You, nothing beats it. Nothing. I can go and I can do it for hours. Nice. I can do it for hours. No, no actual soundtrack needed from my iPhone. I just listen to nature soundtrack. That's interesting. Cause I, I'm going to be doing a, a triathlon very soon. And, uh, and I'm also going to be doing a marathon at the end of the year. And I've always thought I haven't necessarily started training yet. Cause you really don't need to start training until about 16, 20 weeks in, but I've always been curious, like when, at what point in time will I just start to enjoy life? Because at this moment I still need some type of music in the background. And like you, I'm, I'm excited to be at the level of where you are, where you could just enjoy the scenery, enjoy all the things around you, even though you're putting your body through hell. 
Yes. I was going to say, I feel like if I did a half or a full marathon, I don't want to hear myself breathing because it would probably make me think I needed a medic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to hear that. (laughs) Very true. Very true. I have one final question for you. And I would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't ask this question. 2019 trends in fashion. What does the yes. does a man need to look out for? What are the essentials that the man needs to look the part? Because as mentioned before, and I'll link the Instagram if you so choose, if you let me. <laughs> but you have so much swag and, and the amount of care that you put into your, your own image is inspiring. And so what are the essential things that we need to look out for in 2019 as we I guess shy away from from winter and and start moving into fall summer. Or excuse me, spring summer. Actually, I'm going to give you even one better. I'm going to do timeless advice. Doesn't right, matter whether it's 2019 or any other year. You will never be able to put on anything better than a tailored garment. It can take your $200 suit and make it look like a $1,000 suit if you got the proper tailoring. People far too Americans, because I got to say, I really love fashion in Europe. Mm-hmm. And what sets it apart from, from a lot of other people who will say, I don't really know, you know what I'm doing by way of fashion. You're wearing the wrong size or you're getting the wrong cut. You got to go. You got to get your body measured and you got to wear clothes that really fit your body. It, you don't have to spend, you know, a fortune on, you know, curating this wardrobe. You really got to spend some money on finding a really good tailor. Mine is amazing. I don't know if I want to share her because I want her to keep doing my stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to find a really, really, really good tailor. Um, because, of course, if you're a professional, you need a couple of good suits. And you're, and you're going to need a couple of good shirts. Um, so you got to make sure they fit really, really well. Um, also, love is in the details. Love is in the details. And that means the proper jewelry very subtle, understated, but when someone is up close and they shake your hand, they can look at your watch and it becomes a conversation piece because there's some detail to it. And love is in the details that are, uh, like people look at your shoe and they see that your shoes are polished. They don't have nicks in them. Um, just, just all the different accessories that you can put together with your outfit, make sure that you put love in it. And you're not just grabbing them, walking, like I said, walking blindly before. You're not getting up in the morning in the dark and just grabbing something. You're really putting some love and attention into it. And the final thing is knowing when you need to retire something. <laughs> you got to know, you know, when something has run its course. Clothes do not last forever. You can take great care of them. They can last longer, but they don't last forever. And so it may be, it, maybe it was your favorite, you know, suit back in 1999, but it should not be your favorite in 2019. <laughs> Time to retire that bad boy. Um, Very true. So, yeah, you got to have a tailor. You got to pay attention to the details and you got to know when to retire things out of your wardrobe. Love it. So Lloyd, thank you so much for being on the show. It again is an absolute honor. Thank you. So if you could just tell everybody a little bit more about where they could find you, where they could potentially become a a client and all of the nonprofits that that you're affiliated with that maybe uh, somebody might want to donate to. Sure. So how do you find me? Social media is probably best um, on Instagram and on Twitter. I am at Esquire1911, E-S-Q-U-I-R-E, 1911. Or you can find me on Facebook, just under my name, uh, Lloyd A. Freeman. You can find me on LinkedIn under Lloyd Freeman. I'm sure you can just Google Lloyd Freeman attorney and I'll (laughs) pop up. Likely the first thing that will pop up is my law firm profile. 
And um, again, I am an attorney at Archer. Um, I'm a partner and also the chief diversity officer. So if you go to www.archerlaw.com, you will uh, see me there. You'll see my profile. You can see my entire bio and you can find out more about, you can get my phone number and email and everything else right from there. Uh, organizations I'm involved in. Number one, I'm the chairman of the board I mentioned before for Big Brothers Big Sisters Independence Region, um, where we provide mentors to at-risk youth in the Southern New Jersey and greater Philadelphia area. And um, you can find uh, Independence Bigs on uh, Instagram. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as well. It's just IND Bigs. <clears throat> Uh, or you can go to our website, www.independencebigs.org. And I am also the chairman of a program very near and dear to my heart called The Botillion, uh, which is a scholarship and mentoring program that I started myself uh, with a group of my friends. And we take um, high school age, um, junior and senior males, and we prepare them for college and subsequent life. We put them through a number of different workshops on how to manage their money, uh, proper etiquette, how to dress, of course. I can't let them get out without how to dress. <laughs> how to conduct themselves in an interview, uh, uh, how to get financial aid, all that stuff you really need as you're turning that chapter from, from high school on to college. And then we award each of them um, scholarships at the culmination of our program. And you can find the Botillion on, of course, Twitter or Instagram at Botillion at B-E-A-U-T-I-L-L-I-O-N. We're also on Facebook. Uh, we have a website, www.kappabotillion.com. Uh, you can find us anywhere. You can find it from my pages. So if you go to any of my social media, I'm sure you can see the Botillion there. But um, both of those are my heart. And of course, I welcome anyone who wants to come and, and impart some knowledge upon either of those groups or certainly impart some dollars, any time, any treasure, and any talent. I will take <laughs> it. Love it. Got to end with the three T's, right? That's right. <laughs> and all of the links will be in the show notes. I know there's a lot that was said. So every single link was there will be in the show notes. So uh, whoever uh, that is listening and wants to reach out, they can just go right ahead, click, and it'll go directly to one of Lloyd's uh, initiatives. Lloyd, again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome interview. Thanks for being on the show. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Lloyd Freeman. After the interview, I went ahead and scrolled through Lloyd's Instagram handle. And everything Lloyd says he does in the interview is shown directly on his feed. I've always said that if you want to truly understand what a person believes in and what they value most in their life, you take a look at what they post on social media. All right, listeners, I'm setting a worldwide challenge. This week, I'd like you to take a look at your to-do list and specifically the day or the day after. Look at it deeply and think to yourself, is there anything on this list that if I don't do it today, my business will be just fine? Focus on the things that truly matter and the things that move boulders, not pebbles. And when you do, tweet me at GrisbowskiJ or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. You can find more about Lloyd specifically on his Instagram handle at Esquire1911. That is E-S-Q-U-I-R-E. 1911. And if you just Google Lloyd Freeman, you could read all of the articles that have been written about him uh, throughout multiple publications. As for us, you can check Penji out at penji.co if you need a simple, easy, and affordable graphic design solution for your business. And head over again to our podcast website, which is tbeshow.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if you were to share it with a friend. It's the only way that we can cure blindness in business. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.